that begins well. Everyone say, all's well that begins well. I want to encourage you to, to start strong and start well, and I believe you did by being here today. Uh, but I want to encourage you. Jim mentioned that God is a God of first fruits. He's always desired us to give him the first fruits of everything we have, not just our resources, uh, not just our tithe, but our time and our energy and effort. And so uh, we have designated today or really any day this month, if you'd like to begin later, we're beginning, uh, I know the Walker family's beginning uh, the Daniel fast this evening after we finish up our day, it will begin. Uh, and if you want to know a little more about the Daniel fast, you can read Daniel 1, Daniel 10, and you can also get online or you can email me and I'll send you, I've been sending you some emails and some helpful hints to help you along the way. It's really a, a fast that cuts out all the sweets, all the meats, and really is vegetables and fruit and, and water and, and uh, potentially juices and things. No sweets, no, no, none of the good stuff of the holidays, but a time to just set all that aside and uh, without going in it too, uh, uh, in great depth really provides you an opportunity to start your year well, spiritually in tune with what God is saying. You think, well, that's not really a fast. Well, I have to tell you, Daniel in Daniel 10, after 21 days of that kind of fasting, angels showed up in his life and began to speak to him end time things and all kinds of revelation. How many of you could use some revelation in 2012 from, from above? So this will, this will tune you up. In fact, I was talking to one of our young men, uh, uh, Kobe Foreman, a couple of weeks ago about, he said he was looking forward to the Daniel fast. He said, Pastor, I can remember last year how it just made me so sensitive to the things of God and his spirit in my life. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to start well, you know, uh, and, and really put Christ as the as the the first place in your life and really set aside some time to really seek him and pray and and call on his name so that's number one all's well that begins well number two and we're going to talk about this more is proactive thinking as opposed to reactive thinking uh, and, and I'll just introduce this thought to you most people spend all their energy and their thought just reacting to life oh it's time to go to work that's a reactionary thought Oop, I'm late. It's a react, you know, we're reacting and our, all our thoughts are based upon what external circumstances and external forces and, and influences are telling us to think. And what I'm telling you today is take some time, especially if you're praying and fasting, to do some, some, some proactive thinking about your life and about your relationship with God and about your future and think strategically and on purpose. Don't just, don't just uh, uh, yield your thought life to the, to the schedule of life that others have set for you or the circumstances have set for you. Does that make sense? In fact, we look in the Bible, we're going to, in fact, Wednesday night, everyone say Wednesday night. Wednesday night's going to be a great kickoff night, and we may have some things that I can't announce to you right now, but Pastor Sam is going to begin a series uh, that, that will dovetail from and, and end with the series that I'm going to introduce this morning. I'm going to talk, and we're going to talk about uh, gaining a firm grip on your thoughts, getting a grip on how you think. And so it's very important. Everyone say proactive thinking. And so the first one, all's well that begins well. The second one's proactive thinking. The third one is I want to encourage you to develop a top three list of things in your life that you would like to change and then begin to strategically uh, put things in place for those things to begin to change in your life. Let me ask you, is there some things in your person who you're sitting next to that needs to change? You're probably afraid to lift your hand, all right? How many of you, there's some things in your life you know need to change? 
I've got my hand up. So I want to encourage you. Change just doesn't accidentally happen. It happens when we implement change in our life. So, hey, just three things. Begin to put those things together. What three top three things in my life that I want to change in my life? And begin to put, put a plan and a strategy in place to begin to change those things. Just kind of, a, you know, if, if you're uh, unorganized, you know, and this is kind of lighthearted. I would hope that would, even though that could be very spiritually important in your life. But if you're unorganized, there's some two or three or four or five things you can do to begin to make those changes to be more organized in your life. So develop a, uh, something in your life. Don't just let life go by. Say, you know, what do I want to change for the better in my life in 2012? And begin to go about the business of doing it. This doesn't accidentally happen. And then the fourth thing and the final thing, develop a top three things that you would like to accomplish in life that would make a difference in the world around you not just a change or a difference in you but a difference in the world around you let me say this statement then we'll move on to our series this morning hey difference makers don't do it by accident people who make a difference in the world around them it's not an accidental thing it's a strategic thing they've they've taken time energy and effort to to implement plan and strategy and wisdom and insight into their world to help them make a difference in the world around them and could i i might stop and preach here a second but could i tell you today in 2012 god wants you to make a big difference in the world you live in he doesn't want you to sit and take up space. He doesn't want you to sit soaking sour. He doesn't want you just to twiddle your thumbs and hope, well, I hope Jesus comes and gets me out of my mess. Listen carefully today. God has a plan to make a big difference in the world you live in. And he wants to use you dynamically this coming year. So you've got to make a strap, put together a strategy and a plan to accomplish that. Amen. So here we go. All's well that begins well. Proactive thinking, top three things you want to change in your life and top three things uh, and, 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 and methods that you want to use to make a big difference in the world around you. That ought to give you a lot of homework for the next six or eight or ten months. And so that's what I want to leave you with this morning. And what I believe this morning as you see the title of our series that God laid on my heart, my pastoral, the pastoral unction on my life came upon me for you a few weeks ago or really a month or two ago about this series strengthening your spiritual grip and I, I will talk more and more about it but I want to just lay a biblical foundation uh, for this thought process in you today and then and then we'll talk about some things that that we've got to guard against so on and so forth but I want to introduce this series to you today by just building a biblical precedent for this thought today that throughout the scripture there's a biblical theme that God speaks to his children about the importance and the priority of getting a firm grip on God and upon his word and will for our life. And so follow along with me. This would be a great Sunday to take a note. Let me say that again. This would be a great Sunday to take a note. And I promise you today, if you use your smartphone to take notes, that's okay. As long as it doesn't ring and you answer it. Here we go. Let me just build a biblical precedent. Turn to Deuteronomy 10, 20. Let's lay a foundation. Let's look what God says in, in the first, just kind of the beginning of, of interacting with the children of Israel. He says this, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. God says, you know what you've got to do? You've got to take hold of him. You've got to hold fast. Everyone say hold fast. In other words, you've got to have a strong grip on God in your life. 
Amen. Look in Joshua 22. Just keep taking a right. Joshua 22. Look what the Bible says. I went past it. Let me go back. Joshua 22 uh, verse 5 says this. Uh, it says, but take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Everyone say, hold fast. And so we see this theme really even in the beginning of God's dealings with the children of Israel. But then it works its way through the New Testament in many different ways. Let me show you Philippians chapter 3. Turn all the way over and we're going to, you can hang out there because we're going to be there a little bit uh, in just a little bit. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, not that I have already attained or am perfected or already perfected, but I press on, Paul said, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has has also laid hold of me. You see, Paul the apostle had a mindset of taking a hold of God's purposes for his life. He said, man, and the way I would say it, he's saying, I'm going to get a hold of God like he's got a hold of me. I'm going to get a hold of his purposes like he has gotten a hold of me for his purposes. I want to hold fast to the purpose of God for my life. And then I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3, all the way over into the, the, the letters, the, the end time letters to the church. Uh, and this is an interesting one. It's Revelation 3. It's to the faithful church, which I think is pretty interesting. If I had time, we'd talk about all these churches and the, the letters to the seven churches. But this one is to the church that is the faithful church in Revelation 3, uh, down through verse 13. But I want to show you this verse in verse 11. It says this in the New King James. It says, but behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. I love what the message says. It's on the screen. It says, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. Could we read that verse together? Because this is going to be kind of our keynote verse for this series, Revelation 3.11 in the message. I love this. Let's read it together. Read it loud from, the, from our PowerPoint this morning. Everyone together. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. Let's read it again. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. Everyone say a tight grip. You know, this morning I thought it interesting. Uh, not only am I preaching about getting a firm grip and strengthening your spiritual grip, we have, actually have a young man in our service today whose nickname is Grip. Grip, lift your hand. He's got a firm grip on God right there. So I got a guy named Grip here on our day when we're talking about gaining a spiritual grip, getting a tight grip on some things in our life. And so that's the theme of the next few Sundays for sure. And we're going to carry this theme throughout. We'll just see how long God has. Has us here, but I really believe in 2012, not only will we need a tight grip on God and all he has for us, but the world needs us to have a tight grip on God and all he has for us. You see, as a parent, I know that I've got to have a tight grip on God for the sake of my children. As a pastor, I know I've got to have a tight grip on God and his will for my life, that when things are tough and things go bad in other people's life, I can be a, 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 a pillar of strength for someone 
someone who's going through a traumatic time in life. And as a grandfather, uh, uh, to be now in just a few days, number two, and in a few months, number three, I, my heart and my soul and everything within me says, uh, Sam, get a firm grip on God and his will and plan for your life because even though your, your, your daughters and son-in-laws have responsibility to raise your kid, you've got influence and you want to be a, a strong grandfather for them and have a firm grip on God for their sake. And so I really believe 2012 is going to be a year when, when God wants us to just gain a stronger grip on him than ever before. Amen. And so we need to take inventory. And here's what, the, here's what we need to talk about for just a little bit today. When we think about our spiritual grip and our relationship with God, we need to think about our life. And here's the question that we need to begin to ask ourselves. It's really a two-part question. Because in order to take a grip on some things, there's some things you may need to let go of. And here's the question we need to ask ourselves. And I challenge you and I implore you to be honest with yourself and begin to take inventory of your life. What am I holding on to and what has a hold on me? What am I holding on to and what has a hold on me? Those are very important questions to ask yourself. And we've got to be honest with that because if we're holding on to some things that hinder our relationship with God, we've got to let those things go in order to get a grip on God and his will for our life. And also if there's some things that are holding on to us that keep us and hindering us from God's purpose and his blessing and his ministry in our life, there's some things we've got to shake off. Somebody shake it off. Somebody say, shake it off. <laughs> in order to get a firm grip on God. And that's what Paul the Apostle was talking about in Philippians when he began to talk about, uh, you know, the things that God had for him and pressing forward to the things that God has for us. And so, listen carefully. If you're going to get a firm grip on God, if you're going to strengthen your spiritual grip, there's some things we may need to let go of and there's some things we need to, to loose ourselves from that have a grip on us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And you know, that's what fasting is all about. We talked about fasting a few moments ago, but fasting has a way of liberating you from things that bind you and things that have a grip on you. And, and fasting is a way to let go of some things so we can gain a firm and a stronger grip on God. In fact, if you would like to take a note, look at it later. Isaiah 58 talks about the fast that God has chosen. And it talks about loosing the bonds of wickedness and setting the captives free. I'm telling you today, we can start this thing off right and you can come to a place in your life this year where the things that bind you no longer bind you and the things that you've been holding on to that have been hindering you, you let go of those things and begin to really take a hold of God and his purpose and plan for your life and your future, my friend, this year could be phenomenally different than last year and more impacting and more influential than ever before, amen? And so let's talk about it for a moment. If you're in Philippians I want to look at some things that Paul realized that, hey, you got to let go of and you got to shake loose from. Let me give you four thoughts this morning. The first one is the old thing. Look in Philippians, it's really, it should be 3.13. I put 4.13 because I love it because it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but that's not the verse. It's Philippians 3.13 that says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. What was he saying there? The old things of my life. Now, how many of you know there's some good things about our past? And there's some things that we ought to hold on to in our past, the good things, the things God's worked within our life. That's not what I'm talking about. How many of you know there's some things in our past that hinder us from God's new thing in our life? And if there's one thing I've learned uh, that hinders us from God's best for our life and keeps us from really getting a firm grasp grasp on God and his will for our life, it's the old things that keep cropping up in our life that we cannot let go of or that we can't shake loose from. I find people over and over again in ministry, they're hung up in the past. They can't, they can't get past the past. The, the, they sing this song, and I say it all the time, somebody done me wrong song. They're carrying their offense and their hurt and their pain and their loss and their sorrow from year to year and from day to day, from week to week, and it influences their capacity and it paralyzes their productivity. Understand something today. If you want to get a firm grip on God, you got to let go of the old in order to get a hold of the new, amen? Everyone say, we got to let go. We got to shake loose from those things. Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. And I'm reaching forward to those things that are ahead. And so today, let me just say, if you're holding on to some old things, you know those things are hindering you from getting a real grip on God. You see, uh, it's interesting to me. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but, but uh, people in India and Africa, they learned how to catch a monkey. Anybody know how to catch a monkey? I've heard that you do it with a coconut or whatever, but uh, I, I actually saw, I actually Googled it. It's on YouTube. I saw an actual video. Uh, you know, they, they dig a hole in the dirt or some real muddy, hard surface and and they put something inside there that the monkey wants that's barely big enough to get his hand in and he wants the nuts or whatever it is. And the monkey is so desirous that when he reaches in there and grabs it, he will not let go of whatever he grabbed and he can't get his fist out of the hole. Now, I don't want to be a monkey. How about you? And in order to really find God's best for our life, you know what we've got to learn to do? Everybody say, let go. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody, everybody make a fist. Look, kind of stick it towards your neighbor nicely and say, we got to let go. You just got to let go. And some of you are holding on to the old thing. You got to let it go. And, it, hey, and if you need me to come and slap you around a little bit and shonda over you a little, I'll do that for you. But the easiest thing for you to do, just say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I think I'll just let go. Come on, could I get a better amen? Amen. <laughs> Most of it is that simple. Just let go. And it's the old thing that hinders us from what God's best for our life. And if you want to get a firm grip on God, you got to let go of the old thing. you got to shake loose from the old thing. The next thing that Paul talked about was the my thing or another thing. It's mine. He, he talked about his accomplishments in Philippians 3 verse 4. He said, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I'm more so circumcised 
as the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is of the law, found blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. What he realized that all of what I have done, all that made up me, and look at me, what my accomplishments have gotten me. I'm this, I'm that, I am somebody. Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, It's not about you. Everybody say, it's not about me. And we can get so hung up on me that we forget God's best for him. And if, we, if we're hung up on what, what, how it makes me feel or what I want in life or where I want to go and what I want to do, that selfishness will rob us of what God has for us. You might need to let go not only of the old thing, but the my thing. I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. And I'm here for his purpose and plan for my life. Another thing that you and I might need to let go of and shake loose from is not only the old thing and the my thing, but the same thing. Now, Philippians 3, uh, verse 19, uh, uh, let me say verse 13 that I read a moment ago. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Everyone say apprehended or arrived is another word. You know what most people are spending all their energy and effort to accomplish? Get everything just the way they want. I got this. I got that. And then sit back and don't move a muscle. I have arrived. Could we be honest here? That's kind of the way we think, right? Whoo, I've arrived. You know, Jim, I don't know how how old he is, but I've heard him talking about retirement. He's not too far away from retirement. And I told him, Praise God, Jim. I can just work you twice as hard now when you retire. Hallelujah. Because understand something about life. God does, hey, if if we spend all our time trying to get it just the way we want, it's the same thing. I got it. I don't want to change. How many of you don't like change? Anybody here not like change? Come on, be honest. I don't like change. I want to get it all just the way. Listen, understand something. We need to let go of that. Because the God who never changes is busy about the business of changing you and changing things around you. And understand something, if you try to get so hung up on the same thing, you'll miss God's best for your life and you'll never be able to uh, gain a real firm grip on him because he's always moving forward. And Paul said, hey, I haven't arrived, but I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm forgetting those things which are by, uh, uh, behind me and I'm reaching forward to those things that are ahead. We've got to let go and shake loose from the old thing to my thing, the same thing. And let me just be bold and brave with you here this morning. The fourth thing you and I might need to shake loose from and, and, and to let go of, it's the wrong thing. There's some things in our lives that are just wrong. It's just wrong. Now I'm preaching to myself, but, I want, uh, but I'm preaching to you too because that's my job. There's some things in all of our lives. Come on, could I be honest? Could I be brave? It's just wrong. Am I the only one here this morning? That's just wrong. That attitude, it's just wrong. That, that, that habit, it's just wrong. There's some wrong things in our life that we're holding on to that we've got to let go of and shake loose from. And I'll tell you, there's a philosophy and a mindset in the world today that thinks you can do the wrong thing and the right thing and God just smiles and looks. He does not smile and look, but the one day, one day he's going to, uh, uh, we're going to stand before him about all the things we hung on to in life that are just wrong. It's just the wrong way to live. Philippians 3, verse 17, Paul talks about some of them. He said, brethren, join in following my example. 
And note those who walk, who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and they'll tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Those things are just blatantly and obviously wrong. And so we've got to take inventory of our life. If we're going to, in 2012, get a real firm grip on God and get a real firm grip on all that he has for us. And, you know, when you think about, go back to Revelation 3.11, I'm on my way, I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. We've got to look around and take inventory and say, what do I have? What do I have that I don't need? You know, we just moved Josh and Laura into their new home just before Josiah comes. They got the nest all figured out and, the, and Josiah's room's all put together. Now they're ready for Josiah to come. And their move was such an easy one, even though it took a couple of weeks it was easy we moved them out of their old house and and moved them into the garage of their new house all their stuff and they stayed with us they were actually nomadic for a couple of weeks and but then yesterday very easily uh, you know some of uh, from both families came over we just moved them out of the garage put it all together and by five o'clock everybody was sitting around and josh was watching espn on his tv he was pretty excited about life And I went, that went really easy. And I I thought about that. Why was that so easy? Well, the reason it was is because weeks and weeks ago, Laura and Josh began to think, you know what? We need to let go of some things. They began to clean house and give things away and throw things away. And, And so there was not a lot of clutter in their life when it came time to move. I'm going to say that again because that sounded spiritual. There was not a lot of clutter in their life when it came time to move. There's a lot of people all bogged down. Some of you in this room, you're all bogged down and cluttered up with the old thing, the my thing, the same thing, the wrong thing, and it's hard to move. So we've got to take inventory. Now the positive side of all this, if we'll just begin to let go and shake loose from some things, for, uh, Ephesians 1, the first few verses, uh, I think it's it maybe Ephesians 2, pa- Paul said, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We have access to this wellspring of spiritual influence and impact in our life, but most of us are all cluttered up. So it's hard to move, it's hard to make a change, it's hard to get a hold of God and to bring, you know, the, sometimes you got to shake off the old before the new can come in. And so, so take inventory, ask yourself this question, what am I holding on to? And what's holding on to me? And what do I need to do to begin to shake loose and let go of some things in 2012 in order to get a real strong grip on him in my life? Like he told us in Deuteronomy and Joshua and Philippians and Revelation, get a grip, hold on to me. And if you look back in this verse, you'll realize that those things, how many of you know the devil uses the old thing, the my thing, the same thing and the wrong thing to, to, to distract us? That's what Revelation said. He said, I'm on my way, I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. 
How many of you know if you're not careful, the devil will do the bait and switch on you every time? If you don't have a firm grip on what you've got, he'll steal it right out from you. Let me just tell you quickly the enemy's efforts. I'm going to move through this quick. The enemy's efforts over you in 2012, the first thing he wants to distract you, that's what we read in Revelation 3. There's somebody who'll distract you and ultimately steal your crown. And so understand something, the same thing, the my thing, the old thing, the wrong thing, they're distractions to keep us and to get us confused and distracted on God's purpose and destiny for our life. He's the master of distraction. He will distract you from God's best and then he will divert you from from his from God's plan for your life and get you off course that's what sin is it's hamartia the Greek word to miss the mark to get you off course just a little bit that when you come to the end of your life you're way off course and you miss God's best for your life the enemy's desire is to distract you to divert you to then deceive you at a place where you think hey I'm okay everybody's okay when in reality you're all messed up and hung up with the wrong things in life and don't have a grip on God at all he wants to deceive you and then fourthly he wants to dethrone God's plan and purpose for your life he wants to get God out of the driver's seat in your life and then when he does that he can destroy you that's his plan that's why you and I as we look to the future need to take an assessment of what we're holding on to and what's got a hold on us begin to ask that question and begin to reassess and take inventory of our spiritual life because the devil wants to distract us, divert us, deceive us, dethrone us, and then ultimately destroy us. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's why I believe God has laid it on my heart as your pastor to help strengthen your spiritual grip. So this morning and the next 10 minutes, let me just give you some basics. You want some basics? You want to get you started today? This is really introduction. I just want to give you some basics on strengthening your spiritual grip. Write these things down and begin to think about them, ponder them, and, and, and apply them in your life. If you're going to strengthen your spiritual grip in 2012, number one, you have to desire to do so. You know, if you don't desire to, to, to get a strong grip on God you're not going to get a strong grip on God Psalm 27 we sang portions of it this morning David said this in Psalm 27 when he said he said one thing I have desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple he had a desire in his heart to be in the presence of God amen We've got to change what we desire and what we hunger after and what we thirst after. You see, that's what fasting is all about too. How many of you, if the truth were known, there's a level of, of addiction to sugar and carbohydrates in your body? Last night, now I'm a diabetic, but last night I, I began to think, tomorrow evening, I'm beginning to fast. I think now, I will eat Hershey's Kisses. Because I knew that ain't happening in the next 21 days. I'm changing my desires. That's what fasting is all about, to get me plugged into him and begin to desire him and his will and plan for my life. If you want to strengthen your spiritual grip in the days ahead, there's something got to be born and birthed on the inside of you that says, I want to hunger 
and thirst after righteousness. I need him in my life. I want him in my life. And as David said, one thing I've desired and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. You got to desire it. Number two, you got to be determined. Everyone say determination. Determination is big. Fasting, you got to be determined. Seeking God and, 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 and putting together strategy and plan. How many of you have already made some New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Come on, be honest. Okay, it's not a sin. That's a good thing. New Year's resolutions. How many, you know, and that's why Academy and all, and they, they put out, in fact, you look at all the sale flyers, they're going to be all of these exercise equipment. You just get it all, man. You get, well, you're going to pump on, I'm pumping iron, brother. I'm going to get in shape in 2012. Look at me. I'm going to be a mean, lean fighting machine. And they sell us all this stuff by about February, come Valentine's Day, and you get one of those, what the comedian called those heart. What do you say, Nate? The candies? Come on, help me. What do you say? The gamble chocolates. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's a gamble on which one you pick up and eat. Ooh, not that one. The gamble chocolates. By that time, all the exercise equipment is put neatly away in the garage, maybe even in the attic. When it goes to the attic, you're done. I mean, it's just done for you. And we all have these well-intentioned, but how many of you know the bleached bones of the well-intentions litter the highway towards God's purpose for our lives? And we've got to have a determination in our life. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, I am determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've got something on the inside. I'm desirous and now I'm determined. I've got a determination in my life that in 2012, woohoo! I'm getting a hold of God like he's got a hold of me. I'm strengthening my spiritual grip. Nobody's going to deceive me. Nobody's going to distract me. Nobody's going to deter me from God's best for my life. I'm going to be victorious in 2012, and I'm going to get a strong grip on God like I never had before. I am determined. It's a priority. It's a prerequisite. Not only desire and determination, but discipline. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. Come on, everybody say it with me. It takes discipline. Look at your neighbor and smile and try to say discipline and smile at the same time. It's almost impossible. Everybody say discipline. It's hard. It's funny. It doesn't, the two don't go together. Smiling and discipline don't seem to go together. But I'm telling you, when we begin to discipline our thing, ourselves in, in the things of God, and Paul said in Corinthians, he said, I discipline my body and I make it my slave. That's what fasting and prayer is all about too. Our body is not in charge. Amen? And if you're going to strengthen your spiritual grip, you're going to have to desire some things and determine and begin to discipline yourself. Paul told Timothy, he said, uh, spirit, he said uh, 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 the exercise of godliness is profitable in all things. All things. How many of you want to do better at work? Discipline yourself to godliness. 
However you want to be better as a parent, as a father, as a grandmother, as a mother, as a, as a niece, a nephew, whatever. It takes discipline, exercise, spiritual exercise. Helps us and benefits us in all things. So it takes discipline. Let me give you four things because I've got five minutes. Here's some things that you can do and discipline yourself in to help you as you begin this week. Strengthening your spiritual grip. Number, number one, call continually out to God. Just talk to God all the time. In fact, the one line, uh, you know, you read uh, Thessalonians. Paul gave some one-liners, and one of the one-liners he gave in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, pray without ceasing. Everyone say, pray without ceasing. I want to tell you, if you want to gain discipline in your life and thus strengthen your spiritual grip, just begin to talk to God all the time. Begin to pray and seek him every day and just, you know, begin to uh, fellowship with him at the place of prayer and just realize prayer is not something you do on Sunday or Monday or before you, uh, you know, my dad taught me, this is about the extent of my dad's prayer. You'd get the around the table and he'd go bless it guide it and hide it amen hallelujah that was a good start but that wasn't enough but how many of you know we've got to call upon him daily and seek him and david said i'm going to seek him i want to dwell in his presence i'm this is what i'm asking for this is what i desire i want to dwell in the presence of the lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the lord and inquire in his temple call continually Commit daily. Everyone say commit daily. Listen carefully to me. It takes a daily discipline to change some things in our life. Seven days without prayer makes one weak. W-E-A-K. And you miss a day or two, you are behind and out of sync and out of sorts and spiritually out of tune. And so the more consistent we can get and call daily and commit daily and commit ourselves to him daily. In fact, Paul said this. He said this phrase that used to bother me, uh, but now I think I've got it a little more. He said, I die daily. What was he talking about? He's talking about dying to his will and his plan and his purpose. Every day I die to my will. Every day I commit to his will. I die daily. It's not about my will. It's not my will, but your will be done, oh God, Jesus said. It's, it's, it's a disciplined daily lifestyle of committing ourselves to God's eternal purpose for our life. It's not a one-time walk the aisle just as I am without one plea. Walk the aisle and make some decision and fill out a card. It's a daily commitment to serve him. It's the disciplines of life. It'll help you strengthen your spiritual grip on him. It's, it's the lifestyle of calling continually and committing daily. And I love what Hebrews 4 number, the third one is, come boldly. That's the cool part. For Hebrews 4 says we can come boldly before the throne room of grace. We can have great faith that he's there for us. He's not going to hurt us. It's not going to kill us. It's going to help us. In the old days, you couldn't get in the presence of God because there was no mercy and grace. But now we live in an age of mercy and grace. And he says you can come boldly before the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help you. In time of need, we can come boldly every day. That'll help you boldly stand up. Hey, God wants to help me today. He wants to strengthen my spiritual grip. He wants to empower me. He wants to equip me. He wants to fellowship with me. I'm coming boldly into his presence. I'm getting bold about my walk with God. I'm getting bold about my relationship with him. I'm not going to be a whiny baby in the spirit. I'm not going to be a jelly spine. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. And I'm coming boldly into the throne room of grace that I might obtain some things from God in 2012. Amen. Amen.
I'm feeling good this morning. I just feel sorry for those who are sitting home going, wow, what happened last night? And then finally this morning, correct regularly. Every day, fine-tune your destiny and stay on course. Make adjustments in your life. Tweak your life. Correct your life daily. Stay under the governance of God and his correction in your life. Hebrews 12 says he, he, he chastens, he corrects those who he loves every day. Lord, what do I need to change in me? What do I need to tweak in me? What attitudinally do I need to adjust? What do I need to fix in me? And I'm telling you, those things will help you be spiritually disciplined so you can in 2012 begin to strengthen your spiritual grip on God and his purpose and plan for your life. Amen. Let's stand together today. Let's let him have his way in our life this morning. It's right up high noon.